there's a lot of things that could cause all of us not to be able to be here again. But because we're here, we need to take full advantage of this opportunity because it is ours right now. Amen. I'm happy for the invitation to speak this morning. And I hope when I have finished, you will be glad that you were here. We never know. I want to read in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse number 14. Ruth, chapter 1, and verse 14. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God, and where thou diest will I die. And there will I be buried, and the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. From these verses today, I, I want to speak on the subject, Orpha's choices. Orpha's choices. You can be seated. Each one of us has a choice. You had a choice to be here today. You have a choice to live for God. You have a choice to turn back and never walk back into this building again. But the choice you make will determine your destiny. And it is my hope that I can convince you that this is the best move you've ever made. You know, Orpha is one of the secondary characters in the book of Ruth, which tells the readers that she was Naomi's second daughter-in-law. And like her sister-in-law, Ruth, she, she initially wanted to accompany Naomi and return with her to her land Unlike Ruth, she finally accepted her mother-in-law's argument and went back to Moab. I don't know what you will do after today, but I, I would hope that something would cause you to decide, I will never, under normal circumstances, ever miss another service. Because our life depends on going before God. The choices that we make on a job or on school are the choices that we make in our prayer life or our non-existence in serving God will determine how we will make it tomorrow. Uh, I look around and I, I see 
people here today that apparently you made a choice. I don't think anybody was forced to be here. Uh, you may wish before I get finished that you had not been here. Or you may be glad that you made a choice. I made a choice uh, 70 years ago when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. The next day, I preached my first sermon. It was in a chicken house. <laughs> I got all the kids in the neighborhood on the roost, and I preached to them. And then we filed out of that chicken house and we shouted around the house. We danced and we ran and we talked to God and spoke in tongues all over again. You know, God is trying to get us ready for things that we may not be quite ready for. But it is the things that would be our future. Um, I, I think of my parents, they, they were considered overbearing uh, because they thought we should be in church every night. And when we wasn't in revival at home, mother would load us up and take us to wherever revival was going. And uh, that happened all the way through uh, till we married. And then since I've been married... I haven't missed many nights since. I was born next door to the church, and I was in church the next night. And so for 81 years, I've been at church almost every night of my life. So I made a choice when I married that I would serve God foremost, and nothing would separate me from that. I made a choice uh, in pastoring churches. I, I made a choice in buildings that I built. I have built seven churches and paid for them before I left. But today, uh, I want to talk to you about choices that you make. The choices that you make will determine your destiny. And your destiny depends on your response to what God is saying to you right now. And I know you'll say, well, that's you, Brother Bourne. I, I feel like that God placed me here for this time to tell you that today is your day. You know, uh, when, when I think about uh, choices, Orpha uh, when when she made a choice, uh, it, it was a bad choice. Ruth made a good choice. Uh, I started digging and trying to find what really happened here. And uh, I got off into some things into Jewish history that... Uh, when I found, I was actually surprised because in my 70 years of preaching, I had never heard this. You may have heard it. You may have been taught this all your life. But when I found that Arpha and Ruth, these sisters, they were daughters 
of King Eglon of Moab. They were the granddaughters of Balak of Moab. It was a wicked place that, she, that both of these had come from. Uh, Ruth descendant from these kings is a mark of their merit, while no mention was made of Orpha in this particular context. But uh, Orpha and Ruth, uh, in my understanding, they did not make a, they did not convert to the Jewish religion uh, during their marriage to these two brothers uh, who were the sons of uh, Ruth or the sons of uh, Naomi because a famine was in the land and the leader of the Jewish people told them, if you will stay here, God will sustain you here. But her husband decided that things were so bad that they could not live in Israel during a depression. And so he moved his family down to this country that was not a God-fearing people and never intended to be a God-fearing people. But down there, these two boys wound up uh, with these two girls and they married them. And uh, then when, when Naomi woke up one morning and says, look, I, I lost my husband here and he's buried in this uh, God-forsaken country. I lost my two sons and they're buried in this country. But I'm going back to my roots. I'm going to go back to where I come from. I'm going back to the God that I have served all of my life. And when she made that decision, uh, she told her two daughter-in-laws, she says, you all go back to your gods. You go back to where you were born. You go back to your families because I'm going back home. It is my hopes that today when I have finished, I will convince you that you need to make a start towards home. Boy, that home that I'm talking about is beyond this life. And the only way you can do it is that God fill you with his spirit and you become one of the children of the almighty God. You know, uh, when these two sisters made their choices, one, wheresoever thou goest, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. And where you are buried, I will be buried. And God forbid it would be anything different, she said, but I'm going to go with you. And then the other one kissed her mother-in-law and turned back. And then this is, this is what I found in my study of this subject. Orpha went back. I'm, I'm reluctant to say what happened, but if you'll forgive me. The history says that night she slept with 100 men and a dog. She sold herself out to nothing because she had lived with this godly lady 
so long, she says, I'll never go back to that. And as a result, she wound up expecting a child. And then another. And then another. And then another. She had five sons. Ruth uh, went with her mother-in-law. And she uh, got there and her mother-in-law says, I I don't even have a house. And so they uh, had to live under a tree. And finally, Ruth says, uh, uh, Mom, I'm going to go out into the field and I'm going to glean behind and maybe I can find something for us to eat tonight. So she went out and she went behind the, the workers in the field and uh, the gleaning that she done, she found enough that they could eat that night. And then the next day and the next day, she went into the field again. But uh, one day, uh, this guy looked at uh, Ruth back there and he asked his workers, he says, who is this woman? And they said, well, uh, there was a, a Naomi and uh, this is her daughter-in-law. And uh, so, as, as I understand it, this man had lost his wife. Uh, he was 80 years old, and uh, he had buried his wife and had not been back home. Uh, and it was harvest time, and they were gathering the harvest. And uh, it, it looked like it was a hopeless case, but he, he noticed this girl named Ruth, And he inquired of her, and eventually they started talking to each other and arranged a marriage. The marriage, when uh, the marriage come off and they had their wedding, uh, that night Ruth went into her husband, and uh, when she awoke the next morning, she found her husband dead. Uh, 80 years old, she was 40, and then she found out she was with child. Things got a little tough. Uh, She lost her husband. uh, She lost her second husband. And now she finds out she's expecting a child, and she don't know what to do. Uh, Naomi says to her, uh, I, I, I will be... The nursemaid, I I will help you with this child because it's important that this child grow up and know what's right. And uh, she she began to listen to her. And and then I found out that uh, the boys of Orpha grew up. And then uh, a few years passed and uh, David was born into the family of Ruth, and uh, boy, things got difficult from that point because uh, David's dad put his wife away. And when he put her away, he didn't know that she was expecting a child who was David. And so she, she was told, that uh, she could not sit at the table with them again. 
with his seven sons, and things got difficult. Uh, this this mother uh, was put out with her son, and he had to live the best way he could, and he had to look after sheep because uh, he was a bastard. He could not he could not go to church. He could not do anything. He could not even sit at the table with his dad. Uh, it, it, it was a horrifying experience. And for 26 years, that's the way it was. David had to do the job of a shepherd looking after sheep while his brothers were warriors. They were people that you would look up to. And also, uh, boy, this thing takes another turn. When uh, uh, David would come in and he and his mother would have to sit out in a little shack and eat what was left over because uh, Jesse decided that because of uh, the impropriety of his first wife, he, that she could not even sit at the table with them. And, you know, how bad can it get? Only it gets worse. You say, well, Brother Bourne, uh, I don't know if I could live for God under those conditions. We have to learn that if God is in charge of our lives, he will see us through whatever the situation is. Oh, Lord. Uh, the brothers were in a warfare. They were facing the enemy. And... Uh, uh, Jesse uh, went out to where David was, and he says, "David, uh, I want you to take food down to your to these go to these boys. They're on the front line." And uh, he, he gets down there, and he 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 looks, and he says, "Why, why are y'all down in foxholes? Uh, aren't we the people of God? Uh, aren't you the people of God? Why are you afraid of of going into battle?" And they said, well, this, this giant, he comes out against us. And um, history says, according to what I read, that he was 12 foot and 3 inches tall. Uh, I don't know how tall he was. Um, I saw a picture online yesterday of this guy they said was the tallest man in the world, and he was only 8 foot and 9 inches. But uh, whether they were 12 foot tall... They were, anyway, David says, well, why are y'all afraid to go out to meet him? Why are we afraid? We sometimes feel like we can't serve God because of restrictions and things that the pastor tells us we got to do. Uh, we work hard and then they expect us to put money in the congregation's uh, baskets and uh, to pay for buildings that you don't live in. And, uh, and, and, and we get all twisted up in our mind because uh, we can't quite see why things are like it is. But Orpha's choices made some things happen. I, I, I was in New Orleans in revival. And uh, that particular Sunday morning, uh, I, I looked down the aisle and I, I saw this guy and I said to him I said sir uh, 
you're going to have to make a choice. And he looked at me and he says, well, uh, I, I, I serve the Lord. What other choice do I have? I said, I said uh, the Lord told me that in the morning you're going to have to make a serious choice. And when you make that choice, it will determine your destiny. And um, he said, well, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just know that tomorrow you're going to be faced with an ultimate choice. His name was Joe Clay of New Orleans. He was a school bus driver. He had been driving a school bus for 15 years. And uh, he had come to church there at Brother Sarton's and received the Holy Ghost. And, and so I, I continued preaching. And finally, I walked down the aisle and I said, Sir, let, let, let me tell you again. The choice that you're going to make in the morning is going to be a horrifying choice. He said, Well, I, I, don't, I don't believe you know what you're talking about. I said, Well, we'll find out tomorrow, won't we? The next morning, someone knocked on his door and said, are, are you Joe Clay? He said, yes, I am. He said, we've been looking for you for many years. He said, you recorded an album many years ago and says, uh, that album, we couldn't release it because we didn't know where you were. No one could find you. And so... He says, we released it in England, and uh, that album of songs, uh, let me tell you what, what has happened. One of the songs on that album is number six in all of England. One of the songs is number four in all of England. One of the songs is number three in all of England. One of the songs is number two. And one song is number one. Sir, I know you're not aware of this, but you are a multi-multi-millionaire. You just have to go to England to collect it. I picked up the Times-Picayune the next morning, and I looked at it, and the entire page from side to side and top to bottom was a picture of Joe Clay standing on top of his school bus with a guitar. He said, I'm on my way to England. He had a choice, and he made it. He went to England. His family, he left them because all of a sudden, he was not a bus driver anymore. He was a recording artist. And those songs that uh, Joe Clay made on that album made him uh, probably $50 million. And he went to England and spent every cent of it living riotously. And then he wound back up in New Orleans. And just a few months ago, I, I saw Brother Sarton. I said, Brother Sarton, have, have you seen Joe Clay? Where is it? He said, Brother Bourne, I preached his funeral the other day. I said, did he ever come back to church? He said, no, sir. He never darkened the doors again. 
because he felt like God was not fair with him. He made a choice, and now he blames it on God, and now he's dead because of the choice that he made. I don't know what kind of choice you're making right now or what you made this week or what you will make in the morning, but I would do my best to tell you right now, you need to make a choice that I'm going to serve God and nothing is going to stop me from serving God. I'm going to see to it that my family serves God because I'm going to live it in front of them. And it doesn't matter what they teach here at this church. I'm going to abide by everything that comes out of that good book. I'm going to be a servant of the Almighty God. Choices that we make, they, they always mess us up if we don't make a right choice. Oh, Lord, have mercy. David brought the food and gave it to his brothers. And then he looked down and he says, what are y'all afraid of? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a warrior, but uh, I'll go down and fight this guy. I'm, I'm not afraid of him. So they, they brought him before Saul, and Saul said, um, uh, you know, you, you can't go down there with that little old slingshot you got. That, that's not enough. You, and so he took his armor and put it on him. You know, I, I, I was taught all of my life, that David was this little five foot six, five foot seven, little small guy, never had any hope for tomorrow. But David come from the same line of children that Arthur's children come from. David was over seven foot tall. You can find it in Jewish history. His brothers were over seven foot tall. Saul was head and shoulders above all Israel. And any king of Israel, they chose the tall guy because he looked down on the people. And uh, someone says, well, David could never be a king. But when the choice was made, oh, Lord, have mercy. One day, the Lord spoke to Samuel, I believe it was, and says, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse and I want you to know a king. And so he, he goes down to the house of Jesse and he, he brings those seven boys out and uh, he looks at them. They, they got the right height. They're tall guys, big, bustrous men. And uh, he looks at one and he uh, calls another and then another and he, he says, finally he gets through and he says, Jesse, is there not another son? Because God has spoken to me that these, neither one will be the king of Israel. He said, well, I'll tell you. There is a boy that uh, they claim he's my son, but he's an illegitimate son. I put away his mother because of uh, the fact that she was going to bear a son that wasn't mine and says uh, he's out looking after the sheep because uh, a person of that nature, they cannot go to war. They can never enter the house of God. This was the way the law was written. But he says, uh, 
He's definitely not when he said, well, I won't sit down till you bring him before me. And so they sent out into the field and found David and brought him in. And when Samuel looked at him, he says, this is your next king of Israel. Because God has prepared him for this battle that we're fixing to fight. You know, David stood out there that day and uh, he said, I'll go down and fight this guy, but I've not tried your armor. I've heard, heard it like this. David tried on Saul's armor and it was dragging the ground and uh, nothing fit him, but it did, it fit him. But he said, I've not tried this before. Oh, Lord. And when, when he went down there, he faced off with that giant. And this is what he said. Cuz, I've come to bring you down. Goliath was a son of Orpha. David was a son of Ruth. And David went down on that battlefield and he looked at him and he says, boy, you've caused us a lot of problems. But says, this is the end for you. Because you come at me with sword and stave, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord. All, all those years that God had him to place him out on the hillside, uh, he got to sling and he got to where he could hit the mark, uh, I believe, within a hair's breadth. That close. You know, see that? You know, he, he, wasn't a lo- he wasn't a loser. He could throw a, a rock within a hair's breadth. And now he's got to face off with his third cousin, Orpha's son. And so he goes down and he takes Goliath out. But, you know, he went down to the brook and he picked up five smooth stones, thin stones, because the helmet that Goliath had on was a narrow opening just so we could see, and a big old rock would have just bounced off. But he took a narrow, smooth stone, and he put it in his sling, and he had four others because I found out that uh, he, he, he brought them down too. But when he finished that battle that day, the choice that he made, he brought Goliath down and give Israel the edge. And then he turned, and there was an old lady standing beside him. According to Jewish history, Orpha was standing there beside her son in that great battle where Goliath and David met. And he turned to Orpha and says, you are the cause of all of this. And he took her out. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm talking about Orpha's choices. If you haven't made a choice to give it everything you got, you need to rethink the way you live right now. 
You say, well, I'm, I'm not a member of this church. You're here today. And this is a church that believes in the living God and that God will do anything and that he will take care of all things and that he will bring you through everything that you've ever been through. Oh, but you've got to make a choice this morning. Oh, Lord, have mercy. If, if, if I could just get it inside your head that the choice that you make right now will determine your destiny. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Uh, I, I think back uh, to, uh, what was his name, Joe Clay. And then, then I think about myself. Uh, I was 17 years old, and uh, McDonald's was just getting started across America. And uh, I, I went to work at, the, at a bank when I was 18 years old. And uh, the man who brought the first McDonald's to the Gulf Coast walked into that bank one day, and he looked at me, and he says, he said, Jerome, he said, "Uh, if if you'll come to work for me, he said, I want to give you a store. He said, "I, I can make you a millionaire in one year. And I looked at that man, and I said, sir, uh, he was... Uh, two years older than me. He was 20. He had opened his first McDonald's. Now he has 18 McDonald's on the Gulf Coast, Biloxi, Gulfport. And he was going to give me Biloxi because he had the uh, place that he had uh, agreed to take in Gulfport. And so today I could have owned... Uh, the 10 stores that's in Biloxi and been a multimillionaire. But God wanted me to preach here today to bring someone out of the dilemma you're in. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. It's not an accident. You know, uh, health tried to take me out numerous times with a heart attack at 24. Uh, with ruptured appendix and I was 14 days in a hospital hanging between life and death, poison in my body. The doctor was saying, we don't know if he'll live or die, but God brought me through that. And then a stroke 14 years ago, the doctor said, you will never speak again. Take your book and put it on the shelf where you can see it occasionally. But God brought me through that. Oh, hallelujah. Three years ago, I was taken down with cancer. Uh, I, I lost 75 pounds quick, and uh, the doctors, 12 doctors in my room that night, uh, while I was in an unconscious state, told my grandson, says, he won't live till daylight. It's all over. But when he walked out, my grandson took my limp hand and pulled it up in the air, and he said, God, I know you're not through with this man yet. And I'm asking you to heal him now. And instantly God touched me. And in 30 minutes I become conscious and I was hungry. Hallelujah. That next week they took me into the x-ray room to see uh, what uh, had happened. And when they x-rayed me, they could not find a trace of cancer. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know... 
every three months they, they bring me back and I'm due back there next week in Biloxi or in Houston, Texas, and they're going to put me through that machine and it's going to make all those crazy sounds and, and high, high pitches and low pitches. And, and uh, when I come through, this is what I'm expecting because for the last three years I've been through that every three months. And uh, when they get through, the doctor comes in. I said, did you find anything? He said, well, no, but we know it's there. I said, well, where is it? He said, well, it probably went to your head. I said, 14 pounds? Uh, I said, no, 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 no. There ain't no 14 pounds of cancer in my head. Uh, God raised me up, and now I'm bigger than I've ever been. And I gained that 75 pounds back pretty quick. And... Uh, I've not missed a week of preaching since then, and I'm still traveling, and oh, hallelujah, and I'm asking God to give me till I'm, till I'm a 100, and I hope many times more back in this place. You know, it, I, I made a choice. I made a choice that I would serve God, and that's the way it's going to be, and, and I'm going to preach till I draw my last breath. You know... You can make a choice today. And I, I, I look back and I see some people that uh, where I'm concerned, you need to make a start. And uh, you say, well, Brother Bourne, I, I don't think I think I've already made that start. Well, boy, I'll tell you what, where I come from, they respond pretty big. Uh, and I know you, you respond. I'm not saying you don't respond, but... You make a choice, and sometimes that choice uh, that, that you've made, well, I'll, I'll go to church, but I, I don't want anybody to force me to do anything. Well, we're not going to force you to do anything, but if you get what I got, there'll be days you can't sit still. There'll be days riding down the road that the Holy Ghost will come on you and you'll have to pull over and get outside that car and ride on the interstate and dance around a little bit. Oh, hallelujah. The choice I made that doesn't matter what comes my way, that I shall serve God until my last breath. Oh, Lord, how mercy. When David left that field that day, they realized this is the chosen one. And because he was chosen, he was, he was anointed king of Israel. He had the height. He had the stature. He had the promise. It was all his. And God, God knows who's here. And he knows that some sitting here one day will blaze a trail if God's coming don't come pretty quick. They were people sitting here today that will carry the gospel that you think you will never do that. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The choice that you need to make right now is I'm going to go before God and whatever God tells me, that will I do. Wherever he leads me, there I'll go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I, I think, again, uh, we were living in South Carolina when I was just a young boy uh, over at the edge of Georgia. And uh, mother had taken us uh, into a field, and we were picking peaches. 
and we had picked peaches all day, and just we were just small children. And when we got through, the man who owned the, the field, he told my mother, he said, uh, Miss Bourne, all the peaches that they dropped in this field, it was a large, large field, he said, uh, we can't uh, pick them up and send them on the crop because they're, they have a bruise on them when it fell off the tree or they dropped it. So if, if you want those, if y'all go and pick them up, you can have them. And I thought, oh, my God. That wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, I was ready to go to the house. I done picked enough peaches that day, I thought. But Mother took us back into that field, and we picked up 43 bushels of peaches. And we got home with them, took several trips. And uh, Mother said, boys... Me and my brother Charles and my brother Joel uh, said, um, you boys, uh, in the morning, you take them out by the road and sell them, and whatever you get, we'll divide it three ways, and it'll be yours. And so we took them out by the road and sold them. And uh, when we was only out there two hours, and we sold out, and we was at the house and was eating watermelon and we was rejoicing about the money we'd made on the peaches. And Mother was fixing to divide it. And she says, now, first of all, boys, uh, you have to pay tithes. And I said, look. <laughs> look. I picked up those peaches. I loaded them in the car. I'd loaded them out by the road, and I sold them, and so mine is mine. I was eating that watermelon, I'd be there along a butcher knife, and I'd reach for the slice and uh, slipped, and that knife caught me across the hand right there. It's a scar, it's about five inches long, and uh, you can see it right there. It cut the main artery in my arm. And I, I screamed and I looked and blood was squirting to the ceiling. And uh, I said, help me, mother. She said, oh, no. No, no, I'm not helping anybody don't pay tithes. I said, mother, I'm, I'm, I was holding my uh, arm like that. And blood was still squirting to the ceiling. The whole room become bloody. And uh, I said, Please help me, Mother. She said, no, no, no. You can just die, son. I'm not helping anybody steals from God. I said, you can give it all to the church. I don't want nothing of this bunch of peaches. I made a choice that day. And so when I told my mother, you can have it all. I don't want a cent of it. I just need help. I was seven years old, and I learned a valuable lesson. My son is my pastor now. And first thing I do, I call him and says, look, I got $10 ties, and I'm sending them to you. I ain't going to face another day and have that in my pocket. Because what belongs to God belongs to God. 
What you do with it is your business. But, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm talking about choices. You say, well, Brother Bourne, uh, I, I don't have to do that. Maybe your knife will slip. It might be your throat. You might not have a mother there to help you or a pastor. But I'm telling you, if you want to serve God, take advantage of the choices that God... And, and the choice that he's made right now is an altar here. And he will help you through whatever situation you're in right now. Oh, Lord, he will help you on the job. He will make a way where there is no way. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know, I, I, I think I, I was in this meeting one time, and I, I said, does anybody here uh, need a job? And, boy, I, I didn't realize it was that bad. But 28 men stood up and says, we need jobs. And uh, I said, does anybody work around here? They said, well, things is difficult right now, and all these guys have lost their jobs. And, and I, I said, well, I, I looked at one guy back there, and I said, how long since you hadn't worked, sir? He said, well, it's been two years since I worked. I said, are you lazy, or you just can't find a job? He said, well, I'm not lazy, but I, I do need a job. I said, well, I'll tell you what, sir. I said, that house right behind the church here, there was just a road and behind the church, and the church faced this direction. And I said, there's a man lives in that house. This is my first night there. I didn't know. I just saw a man sitting on the porch when I drove up that night. I said, there's a man sitting on the porch that works at this company. He's a superintendent. I said, does anybody know him? Pastor says, yes, sir. I said, God's going to take his job tomorrow. I'm going to give it to you. I said, yeah, they'll call you by dinner tomorrow and you'll have his job because he's been living there all these years and it's never darkened the doors of this church. And God's going to strip him of his superintendent's job. I'm going to give it to you and you can hire all of these men. Oh, Lord have mercy. He comes to me after church. He said, Brother Bourne, I, I've, never, I've never even uh, filled out an application with this company that this man works for. I said, well, you need to get down there and get it done. And the next day, he had the job as superintendent of that company in Lake Charles, Louisiana. He hired the 27 men. Oh, Lord, have mercy. When we make a choice that we're going to serve God, God will meet us. Whatever we need. I'm talking about choices. Someone asked me, says, why are you going up to Connecticut? Or why are you going up to, what, what is this? Maryland. Why are you going up to Maryland? I said, uh, it's a choice that I prayed about. And I asked God to open up the door in that city. And God did. And so here I am. And now I've preached to you the choice that you need to make. If you make the right choice, God will bring you up 
I can see bubbles like forming in the bottom of a of a glass, and they, they start rising to the top. That's what God's fixing to do around this place here. Oh, Lord, I, I was in another place, and uh, I, I, I looked at a man sitting way back. I said, hey, sir, where do you work? He said, I, I don't have a job. I said, uh, if, if I got you a job in the morning making 50000 a year, he said, well, that's better than nothing. I don't know. Up here you may be rich, folks. I don't know. I don't know what their scale is. But um, I said, uh, would you take it if God give you a job in the morning? He said, well, yes, sir. I said, well, keep your phone ready because you're going to get a call in the morning. Well, he got the call in the morning. And the man says, all I can pay you is $50,000 a year. And so he took it. He retired uh the beginning of this year, uh, his salary was $280,000 a year, and he got a $40,000 bonus every quarter in addition to his salary. And it, his retirement is at a young age, my uh, oh Lord have mercy, they, 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 they give him a, a three-year severance pay in advance including the $40,000 a quarter bonus. And so he took it and retired. Or it could have been like the, the other guy in that same church. I looked at him across the way and I said, Sir, um, where do you work? He said, I work offshore. I said, well, let me tell you what's going to happen to you when you go offshore. I said, when are you going back to work? He said, in the morning. This was Sunday. He said, in the morning I'm going. I said, when you get back offshore, uh, I said, what's your position? He said, I'm, I'm the superintendent of that rig. I said, when you get out there, this is what's going to happen. Uh, that rig's going to explode. And pipe is going to be spewing up in the air where it looks like a quarter of a mile and, and those a uh, four-inch pipe is going to be falling down and hitting on the top of that rig. I said, when that thing explodes, I said, you need to have that capsule ready, and you need to lunch all those employees off of that rig to save their life, and then you get under a piece of steel where those pipes falling down on that rig that your life would be spared. He said, my goodness, Brother Bourne, how, how do I do that? I said, well, you'll be out there. You're the superintendent. You lunch the guys, and you stand there. And I said, fire is going to be shooting up in the air, and that rig is going down without you doing what I tell you to do. And so I said, uh, there will be a ball of fire shooting two or 300 feet up in the air. Uh, the fire is going to be about uh, like from here to that back wall, a circle, and says, Look like everything's going to be destroyed. I said, under that piece of steel that you're uh, trying to save your own life, I said, uh, uh, you get your phone and you call your boss in Houston, Texas, and you tell him what's happening. And he and Red Adair, that's the guy who used to put out all the fires on the oil rigs, they said, they'll fly out there. 
and says, and then you'll see what God's going to do. I said, when, when they get here or to that rig where you are, uh, they will land that helicopter on the other side of that fire and says, uh, and when you come out from underneath that piece of steel and they say, what in the world is happening? I said, actually, you need to come out when it lands and you point at the fire. And, and this is what happened. On, that was Sunday. And on Tuesday morning, that rig exploded. And fire was shooting up in the air. And he stood up and says, I'm doing this because that crazy preacher Sunday told me this was going to happen. I curse you, fire. And ice started forming around that fire. A thick layer of ice, about 12 inches thick, come up around that fire 200 feet in the air and closed off at the top. And when that helicopter landed... They said, my God, what in the world has happened here? And he told them what had happened. And the man says, you mean you got that kind of authority with God? He said, yes, sir. I obeyed what that crazy preacher told me Sunday night. He said, anybody with uh, that kind of authority with God, here's Red Adair, he puts out the fires and he charges me $1 million to put out a fire on these oil rigs. He said, but you saved that million dollars. I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a $10,000 raise per payday, which was twice a month. So he was the highest paid man on the rig and now he's got a $10,000 raise Per payday, which was $20,000 a month. Oh, no. He... You, got, you got to believe me. You say, well, Brother Bourne, this can't happen to me. Oh, you don't know what will happen. God can take the simplest thing and bring you through it. Oh, hallelujah. When he brings you through it, it will be the most advanced thing in your mind. And you will see it because you made the right choice. These people that's coming up here are making a choice. And God's going to bring them through. And there's some more back here that before I finish, if, if you will make that choice, God will bring you through things that you don't seem possible that it could ever happen to you. But instead of you being a victim of that circumstance... You can be the victor and be able to stand in this church and say, I was there and God brought me through it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm talking about choices. Ah, God, have mercy. I, I was driving down the road. I was out of gas. The station was not open. Uh, I said, God... My granddaddy used to tell me God filled up his tank several times. I said, can you fill up mine? And all of a sudden, I, as I was driving along, I watched the needle go over to full. And I stopped and got out of my car right on the middle of that interstate, and I started dancing. Cars would come by, and they would... I said, how y'all doing? 
does it even matter today? Ruth, because of what you've done, 13 generations later, 13 generations later, Jesus Christ was born of that family because Ruth made a right choice. She was a Moabitish woman and didn't stand a chance. You might be a sinner and think God would never forgive you, but right now would be your your prime choice that you could come down here and say, God, I need your help right now, and God will help you. I know this is a different message, but I'm telling you, God wants to help someone right now. You need to get on down here and say, God, I'm going to give myself to you right now. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of running. I'm, I'm going to give myself right now. I'm making a choice that will be forever. Could you honestly stand between the court and the porch and say, God would never do that. God will help you. I'm telling you, God will help you right now. that God's helping us right now. Cry out to God with all your heart. Believe that God's going to answer your need. Believe that God's going to take care of every situation that you're facing tomorrow. God, you're going to take care of everything here today. You're going to reach into that hospital and take care of that situation. God, you're going to take care of tomorrow. I have decided to follow Jesus.